Welcome to the Craft of Memory. I'm your host, Ronald Johnson. On this show, we seek to recover this beautiful art. For memory without conscious design is like an uncatalogued library. We believe this is a skill that anyone could learn. And the question is, will you seek to hone this craft? You are now listening to episode 11. I recently had the opportunity to interview Jonas von Essen, a Swedish two times world memory champion. He has memorized 100,000 digits of pi and has appeared on trivia shows such as Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? and is currently preparing for Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? He is involved in memory training software development and is the co-founder of Memory OS. He is extremely skilled in the art of memory and specializes in long-term memory for general knowledge. So without further ado, let us get into the episode and hope you all enjoy. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you get into the world of memory? So uh, my name is Jonas von Essen and um, I live in Sweden and I uh, entered the memory world uh, about 10 years ago now in 2012. Uh, It started for me as it probably does for most people, uh, by, um, uh, I read a book about, yeah, I, I'm not sure exactly which one it was, but <clears throat> after some time I'd read quite a few of them. Uh, and um, I got, of course, very excited about this when I realized that the, these techniques existed and that it was possible to remember so much, uh, so much more easily than I'd been able to do before. So, um, so I quite quickly started to think about uh, competing, and I also read about these, um, yeah, about memory competitions. And uh, they were going to have uh, the Swedish championship for the third time in the fall of 2012. And uh, I was living in the same city as the like the founder or the uh, leader of the Swedish Memory Council, Idris Sogai. So I met up with him, and he encouraged me a lot. And uh, yeah, so I. Uh, decided to take part and then I practiced a lot that summer and then it went quite well when I um, yeah, when I went there I, I managed to to uh, win and uh, that of course made me even more uh, excited about it and I started to compete in memory competitions uh, in other countries as well and met the whole great memory community and uh, yeah it was really a whole new world that opened up for me. Nice so you competed with uh, Janja Wintersol. Uh, yeah, uh, but that was actually a bit later because she, um, when I started, I, I started at the at the same competition as uh, Marvin, Marvin Valonius. Okay. Um, so we were, yeah, uh, we were both like complete beginners then. Um, and uh, and then a couple of years later, uh, I think, Janja joined. So this the first year I, uh, I didn't know about Janja, but then she, yeah, she was also, uh, adding as a, as a great competitor later. Nice. So um, most memory athletes tend to have an emphasis on on short term memory, on how quick they can memorize something and then they forget it um, afterward. But you also focus on long term memory and have participated in trivia shows that requires 
a lot of general knowledge. So what shows have you participated in and how was your experience? Well, I uh, it was really the same for me before or like in the first years of my memory career that I also only focused or at least mostly uh, on like on the competitions and then yeah like memorizing faster and uh, and better but uh, I, I also like because when you when you start with this and you you become so great at memorizing cards and numbers um, and uh, like for me when I became the Swedish champion of memory then of course everyone assumes that you also know a lot about everything so it was quite often in, for example, news uh, interviews or like newspaper interviews today, and they asked like also general knowledge questions just to because they thought that I would very easily answer them, uh, which I didn't, and uh, it was yeah it, it was a little bit embarrassing, and I also felt that I like I should since I now know these memory techniques, and I always you know talked about that we should have it in school, and uh, yeah everyone should should learn them, that I also should somehow show this by actually using them to learn other things. Uh, so I had this idea from quite early on, but then I, yeah, I was so focused on the on the competition. So uh, it was only a few years later that I really started to to do this uh, like as a as a bigger project. And um, some years ago, I, I took part in a, uh, Who Wants to Be or, or um, uh, Smarter Than a Fifth Grader, um, the Swedish version. Do, do you know it? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like the idea is that you you're asked questions uh, that could be asked to a fifth grader about things you learn in school, and of course, most adults uh, will not perform very well since you you usually forget uh, a lot of the things that you should know from school. Um, but then for me, it was like the perfect challenge because I knew then that the questions would be about things that you learn like in the first five years of school, um, and that's. Like that's a lot, but it's also quite limited and uh, it fits very well with memory techniques because it's like lots of facts. So I went to my old school and uh, borrowed lots of books and uh, also the library and I yeah, just read all of it and put it all in, in memory palaces. And, um, and then I also managed to, to win the show. So that was my, my first like, big quiz show experience, which was um, very pleasant. All right, so you uh, participated in Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? So what advice would you give to someone who wants to pursue long-term memory projects? I'm sure this requires a good level of, of discipline and time management, um, creating all of the memory palaces and then reviewing and so forth. What, what advice would you give to someone? Um, well, I, I think that, yeah, it, it, of course, it does require quite a lot of, of patience and uh, like endurance, but it's, uh, it's also quite similar to when you're training for a memory competition that also requires that you like practice almost every day or a lot, like if you, if you really want to improve. And uh, I think in some ways, like this is, in some ways, it's, it's, a, it's more fun because you, like, you, you learn new things uh, all the time and like it's very varied uh, compared to practicing for memory competition when you just practice the same disciplines over and over and over. Although, of course, that's also like I, I enjoyed it a lot because uh, obviously you break your own records and it's uh, it's it's quite nice. But um, but I think this uh, yeah this the thing that you that you always like learn, learn new things. That's also uh, something very um, something that makes it uh, fun and and uh, like more motivating also in itself. Uh, so for me, it was also because I 
uh, after I won the um, my second World Memory Championship title in 2014, I uh, I was a bit tired of just doing this like the same training every day, and uh, that also made me feel more motivated trying to learn something uh, new all the time and something that I could like keep on building up on instead of just always uh, like erasing the the old things I put in in memory palaces and rewriting it with with new things. Uh, so, so my advice, yeah, I don't know. Like, of course, you should only do this if if it's something that you're uh, that you're interested in, that you find fun. Um, and if you do, um, I think that you will find the motivation uh, automatically. But um, yeah, it's like with most things, it's best to just add a little bit every day. Like, have 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 a routine for it. That, uh, for example, I start every morning by. Uh, first repeating uh, the old things that I, I put in Anki uh, and then um, learning some new things. And at the moment, I try to learn at least 100 new things, like 100 new Anki cards every day. Um, and uh, yeah, once you get used to doing that, it's uh, it becomes a routine. And then after some time, you don't think so much about it. It's, it's just something you do. So yeah, yeah just like with memory practice, routine and uh, persistency. All right, so uh, developing a habit and enjoying the process. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so um, when you're memorizing, let's say, the, the history of art or um, that requires the use of historical dates, I'm, I'm interested in, in how you structure your palaces or how do you approach historical dates so uh, so let's say you were to memorize the history of art. How would you approach dates such as 1745? Do you memorize the last three digits and make a mental note of the number one? Or is there something you do in particular? Yeah, that's, it's very interesting with uh, memorizing history because that's, of course, something that I've been doing a lot <clears throat> lately because it's such a, a big part of uh like general knowledge and uh, also if you want to compete in, in quizzing like everything uh, happened uh, in one particular year so it's it's always good to have this information uh, to all the things that you learn so um in the beginning i would <clears throat> i would do like as, as you said maybe uh take the three last digits of the year of the year and then add that image somehow to an image representing uh, the thing that i want to Wanted to remember uh, the painting or whatever it is in this case, uh, and that was like it works, but it's also a bit. It's not so great because you, like, when you learn a lot of history, uh, you really would like to have an overview of it and also feel like when when something happened, not just have this this image that like because somehow sometimes I could um, accept the image and then maybe I would like end up two hundred years wrong and I would. Uh, it would be possible for me to make that mistake because I didn't really have a feel for when in history it happened. I just had this image memorized uh, to the to the picture. So um, so I started experimenting with different uh, like uh, mind palaces for this. And in the end, I found uh, a quite obvious strategy, but uh, that I think works very well, uh, which is that I now have like a long. Um, like a long journey that represents the whole uh, historic timeline. So um, for the last 500 years, for example, I have one 
street um, in my uh, yeah, like in the neighborhood where I grew up for each uh, century. So, um, so in this case with 1745, uh, I would uh, use my yeah, my mother's street, uh, which is on the uh, the 18th century, and um, on that street I I put things like approximately where they should be. So things that happened in the beginning of the 1700s uh, will be in the beginning of the street and. Uh, yeah, things that end towards the end of the of the street, uh, and then of course I also use this um, yeah the image for for a particular year to be able to tell exactly which year it happened uh, because of course it's it's tricky to say that it's this is really like forty five hundreds up on the street. Uh, so so in this case I would take this thing like the, the, this painting then uh, yeah whichever it, it could be in seventeen hundred forty five and place it approximately halfway up the street uh, and also add an image there for the year. Uh, so I have already like an image there for my, my image for 745 is um, uh, like a, a barbecue. So um, there's a barbecue there and they already have like other things there. So I would just add this painting uh, sort of stuck it into the, the barbecue or add like the, uh, the motive on the, on the painting. And I think that this really uh, it's much better because then you you can really walk through history and see like everything where it happened and also uh, how it relates to everything else like it's very clear uh, if it happened before or after something else and uh, which things happened at the same time and how far it is like uh, in years but also then in distance to another historical event uh, so this is uh, like I, I'm almost always using um, this uh, this timeline to like yeah, every time I hear about something that didn't happen very recently, I put it on the timeline. Like that's the uh, my main memory palace. Ah, oh, very interesting. So um, you combine uh, different disciplines on this uh, this long journey, this timeline. So let's say you had art, uh, philosophy, uh, the history of America, or any other country so you would put all of that information on that long journey or uh, do you sort of have many long journeys where you where you categorize them because like what if you have so much what if you um, get a lot of information where all of the images are overcrowded in, in a certain point in your journey how would you approach that yeah, like that's that's also very interesting uh, because in the beginning, I uh, like most mental athletes, I was very uh, <laughs> afraid of, uh, of of this thing uh, because it's uh, like you, usually you think that you, you can only use a memory palace for for one thing if you want to use it long term, and then you should have another palace uh, for other things. Uh, but in this case, like with this, uh, when I had this like big. Mm, historic timeline palace it was like quite big and quite um deliberately created and i i really felt that it would be take quite a lot of work to make a similar one for uh, like history and a similar one like another one for art and for uh yeah like this history of science and whatever it could be so um uh but i in the beginning i didn't, didn't think so much about it because i i just had a few things um here and there on this on this palace, uh, so um, so it didn't it wasn't a problem at the beginning, but then after some time, of course, I learned more and more, uh, and then I started to to note that 
if somehow it's um, it was possible to like to have a lot of things uh, on the same location without messing it up uh, if I if I didn't really try to think about all of them at the same time. So mm. um, so like yeah, if I think about the seven hundred forty five uh, and then yeah, like w- what art w- was there, then I would see the painting uh, on on the barbecue. Uh, but then if I instead think about, yeah, did I have some historic event? Yeah, then I would see uh, like the uh, a Swedish ship that uh, yeah went under then that would like sail into the barbecue. And so it, it is like lots of parallel timelines, but on the same oh, on, okay. on the same timeline. Yeah, oh, that it's, makes it's, sense. Yeah. yeah. And it actually it works really well when you're using Anki or some space repetition software to repeat these things. Um, because obviously it's it's you can't really go through uh, the palace in the normal sense and list everything that happened in 1745 for example uh, that doesn't work because it's like everything is in the same place uh, but like not at the same time so um uh, but it works really well the other way around that if you hear like if you yeah, show me this painting or if i hear about this ship then i know directly that yeah that's uh, in 1745 uh, so if you don't if if it's not required that you can really like really list all of these things and uh, it's it's not so often that you really have to do this um but you just want to know when different things happen uh, then then this strategy works great and uh, i've been using it for many years now and like in some locations they have probably like 30 or 40 things uh, but i don't think about all of them at the same time but only like one at a time but on that particular location Okay, very nice, very nice. Thanks for sharing. So um, it has been said that the more we know, the easier it is for us to memorize. So after memorizing a lot of general information, do you find this statement to be true? If so, in what ways has it helped you become a better memorizer? Yeah, I think it's definitely true. Because obviously, the more you know, and like the more um words and the images you already have in your mind uh, the more you uh, you have to use for uh, coming up with associations to new things so uh, for example with uh, with names i think that the people who are uh, best at the name discipline they already know a lot of names so maybe speak a lot of languages so that uh, so that like more names are logical to them or they can find like more parts of the names that sounds like something that they know already uh, and it's the same with with any kind of knowledge. I think that if you already know a lot about a particular subject, then of course it's uh, it's much easier to take a new piece of information and make it fit into that context. Um, and also, like with this, uh, the, uh, my historical timelines now, when I add something new, then I it immediately uh, gets placed into a particular context with a lot of things that happened before and and after it and around and. Uh, and I can think about other things that happened the same year that also then somehow becomes connected to this new information. So it's um, yeah, it's it's really it's really much much easier. And I also find that uh, the more you learn about new subjects, the more interesting they become as well, just mm. because you know uh, about them already. And that also makes it uh, more easy to remember, of course, new things. Mm, nice, nice. So. You've memorized a hundred thousand digits of pi, which which is amazing. Um, so, what was the inspiration behind this this memory feat? How did it all start? Well, it started, I think, 
right at the beginning of my memory career, actually, because I, um, when I started using memory techniques, I, uh, like one of the first things you notice is, of course, that it's suddenly very easy to remember numbers. And uh, then you want to try this out in some way. And like many people, I started memorizing some few hundreds uh, of decimals of pi. Um, and I think in my my first summer that I reached maybe like 3000 or something like this. And it felt so cool because it was really impossible uh, from my normal point of view. Um, so I already in the beginning felt that yeah, it was very cool to, to remember decimals of pi. And uh, I knew then also that the Swedish record was something around 10,000. So uh, that also felt within reach, but then I started to focus more on the competitions uh, and yeah. Uh, did things with this um so so it had to wait for some years but then um some years later i, I again started to think about this uh yeah the pi record and that ten thousand digits that's not so much if you're used to memorizing two thousand digits in an hour in, in a memory competition uh so then i um i started i think it was in 2016 to just build up a uh, memory journey i just added something like 300 new digits every day and then after some time i had reached uh, 15,000, which i thought was a good uh yeah a good like breaking of the old record so then i uh, contacted uh, some science center in sweden and asked if if they would like me to perform this record there it's like if we could make some small event or something like that uh, and we did that and um it went quite well uh, apart from that i uh, red one did it wrong, uh, but that was after 13,000, so it was still like the Swedish record, and it was really um, <laughs> very good also for like from a commercial point of view, because uh, then lots of, of newspapers and, and TV stations wanted to uh, talk about this. I did it, of course, just before the Pi Day, so it would be very uh, like hot news, and uh, yeah, it was great to, because it was not so difficult, like it didn't feel, feel so difficult to just do 15,000, uh, but it it became like a big thing. And I could always tell people about this when I had my lectures and things like this. And uh, it's nice to to have some big number to show people just to show what's possible. Uh, so then I, yeah, then I had this, uh, this record um, for some time. And I, like my idea was to continue and try to uh, beat at least the European record um which was a bit over twenty thousand at the time uh, but then i i got a little bit tired of it so i stopped uh but then two years later i competed in the sweden's got talent uh show and um then i uh, again it, it felt um, like a good number uh to have in the in the show uh so then i started again to add, add some more digits and um I, I realized that if I just added like 200 every day, I could reach uh, 50,000 uh, by the date of the final of the show. So I did that. And then I did a like a number with these uh, 50,000 digits when um, like where the jury could read some digits somewhere uh, among all, all the digits. And then I could tell them what was before or after. Uh, and they could also like say a, a page number in, in a book with all the, the digits that I had. And I could read the the page, uh, so it was it was a nice uh, like show thing, and it also made me very motivated to really learn these fifty thousand digits. And then when I had fifty thousand, I could just as well go on to to one hundred thousand. 
so then I continued for like one year more to just add new digits. Uh, and finally, I, <clears throat> I did this um, record attempt, uh, which wasn't so successful. I, I reached something like 24,000 and then I made a mistake. Uh, so uh, yeah, but, but then at least I got the, the European record and I, I at least knew myself that I had memorized uh, all of the 100,000 digits. So um, in order for the, the record to count, um, if, if you make one mistake, um, it sort of stops there. Because yeah. sometimes we say things and we say like, oh, uh, I really meant to say this. Um, are they that strict or how does that, that work um, exactly? It's, it's not like you can, if you correct yourself, uh, that's okay. So you can, you can like, usually you, you add uh, some digits at a time and then you say that, okay, now I, I yeah, now, like, now I go on from here. And then if you did a mistake, they tell you and it's over. But as long as you, like you, yeah, you can. Like, usually, if you if you don't like sort of lock in the uh, the digits, then you can go back and change it if you uh, if you yourself just realize that you made a mistake. So it's it's not um, so extremely strict. Um, it's quite yeah, it's it's quite nice actually. But it's uh, it's still of course very difficult when you when you have to just do it all in one sitting, and uh, after some hours you start to get tired and. Uh, yeah, so it's it's also like a physical challenge, not yeah. only a, a mental one. Yeah, I can imagine. So, um, so how did you structure your memory palaces for Pi? I'm kind of curious. Yeah, it was um, just one long journey. Uh, at least the, the first 50,000 was really just one uh, really long journey through my home city in, in Sweden. Um, so then I, I just made it up uh, as I went along. So I started uh, like at the door of, of my mother's house and then uh, just walked out on the street and then continue like in my mind. Uh, and every day I just um, started at the end of, of the journey and walked a little bit more and added some more locations and more, uh, yeah, more images. So just really like, like an improvised, really long journey. Uh, nothing special, but just a, a very long journey. And then uh, after 50,000, I um, started to run out of space in my home city, which isn't a really big city. So then I like, took the train to uh, Gothenburg uh, in my mind and uh, yeah, a bigger city in Sweden. And uh, there I, I added the rest of the, uh, the remaining 50,000. Okay. So um, did you also um, have any uh, virtual policies or was it just strictly... Uh places that you have visited in this uh, long journey in this case it was only real places so it was really only at my own city in, in Gothenburg but um, but otherwise I, I sometimes use uh, virtual palaces as well and also in memory competitions I had quite a lot of palaces that were from computer games for example uh, but in this case it uh, it it worked with uh, <laughs> with the real passes uh, and i i had enough space so i uh, and it was also, it was also quite quite easy since i already knew my hometown so well uh, i could just uh, it was never any problem uh, coming up with with new locations and i could really make this really long walk in my head uh, without like of course if i i didn't just uh, walk out in the forest where I didn't know uh, things, but I, I made sure to like take a turn so that I, 
I was in uh, in locations that I knew. But uh, yeah, then I definitely had place for fifty thousand and, and probably even more. Uh, did it's only in my home home city. Hmm. So on on the talent show, um, you demonstrated your ability to recall numbers before and after any given sequence of pi. So what was your strategy to be able to to recall them so quickly? Um, I know some people, they use peg systems within their memory palaces to sort of navigate uh, this long, long journey. Or uh, did you use like a, a peg system with your palace? Or what was your way of of navigating it so quickly? Or was it just a matter of of constant review. I think that the uh, like the, the coolest part of it was when they just they they read nine digits somewhere. Um, of course, then I had like been breaking it up into uh, pieces like blocks of nine uh, in the way that I memorized it because I uh, I used a three-digit system and then I also had three images on each uh, like location uh, on the journey. Um, so. Um, so it was very easy. Of course, if they read nine digits, uh, then I just convert it into images. And then I think this is the same for for anyone who's using uh, this system. That if you if you like see this uh, particular image, you also almost automatically know where it is in the journey. So then you're automatically thrown there, uh, and you can just directly tell the images after or before. Uh, but then they could also see a specific page, and um, for that I had. Uh, like a bit of a like a little bit of an index uh, on the journey, so um, I used this um, uh, like groups of nine. Uh, but to make it more easy to navigate, I always had uh, like eleven images, uh, so ninety-nine digits. And then for the one hundredth digit, I just had uh, like a single digit image and uh, also uh, like a sign with. Uh, uh, with an image representing the hundredth uh, that we were like, yeah, that was in this location. Uh, so then I could also very quickly jump to a particular page because I, uh, if I wanted to go to decimal uh, like 46,000, for example, or for 46,200, I could just think about my image for 462, uh, which is an umbrella. And then I very quickly found uh, my uh, yeah, the, the sign with an umbrella. Mm. Uh, so no, yeah, so, so in this case, I could easily jump uh, 100 to, to a particular hundredth, and then I could count, of course, in nines, forwards or backwards to find a particular digit. Oh, very nice. I like that. Uh, so what was your review schedule like um, when memorizing Pi? Um, did you have a, a certain goal each day? Did you use... Uh, space repetition system or any uh, training software? And, um, if so, what are some of those those tools that you used? I used uh, space repetition uh, for sure. I think that's uh, really necessary if you want to do something like this. Um, but I uh, I didn't have it in Anki <clears throat> because I it, it felt like um, because I somehow like the things you put in Anki. Uh, like, which is maybe not everyone knows about it, but it's like a space repetition software. It's very commonly used. Uh, but I, I find that the things you place there, um, you know them, like you, for sure, you, you will know them quite well. Uh, but in this case, I had to know it 
better than quite well. Like I had to know it so extremely well that I would absolutely not make a mistake. And it would also have to be quite quick, the recall. Uh, so it had to be reviewed more than just nor with normal space levitation. Uh, so I made my own like schedule for when I should repeat a particular block. And I had like blocks of um, 200 uh, digits. Uh, so then I, um, I, every day I added 200 more digits uh, at morning. And then I repeated that in the evening and then like the next day and then maybe three days later and one week later and yeah, with longer, longer intervals. Um, and um, I uh, also then of course had to repeat every morning after I added 200 new uh, digits, I always had to repeat particular blocks from, from the past. Uh, which I yeah, kept track on in, a, in an Excel sheet. Uh, sheet. So it was um, was quite a lot of repetition as well, uh, which I think is also necessary if you want to do this. Um, but then I found at the end when I had reached the, the 100,000, I still had to do quite a lot of repetition because by that point I um, yeah, I, I, did, I didn't really <laughs> match my my goal uh, by knowing them extremely well, but it was still a little bit like, like with Anki that I... I knew them, but it um, it was it was quite slow, and I could make some mistakes here and there because it's just so much, one hundred thousand digits. Uh, so before the record attempt, I had one month where I just went through the digits like all the time, uh, or really a lot of the time, um, from morning to evening. And uh, in the end, I went through uh, fifty thousand digits every day, which was wow. which really, like takes the whole day. <laughs> Uh, and I had to do it because I, I realized that it's um, like you, you think that after some time you should just know these digits, um, like with other things that you, you don't have to repeat it so much. But I noticed that if I just even do a new knew them really perfectly, and then I if I just waited a few days and tried again, I would for sure have some mistakes uh, because it was just so much. Uh, so I really had to to go through half of them every day, and also just before the record attempt to be able to have a chance to to succeed. Mm. Wow, that's that's a a lot of a lot of dedication. I like I like that <laughs> that um <laughs> the system of of blocking. So uh, you block them in two in in groups of of two hundred. Okay. Mm. Um. So since you have encountered so many number sequences of pi, have you found the number disciplines easier? Do you ever encounter the same sequences and then you say, oh, that's from pi, and then you just uh, just uh, immediately make a mental note? Uh, do you find uh, memorizing numbers easier by virtue of uh, memorizing the numbers of pi? I think it could have been possible that that would be the case if I uh, had used the the same number system uh, in also in competitions. But um, I like when I competed, I used the two-digit PAO uh, all the time. So it was only after I had stopped competing when I started to memorize uh, these uh, uh, pi digits that I uh, devised a three-digit system just for uh, for this. Um, and then I sort of learned my three-digit system by memorizing uh, these digits of pi. And um, still today, like now I, I haven't been competing for a really long time. Uh, but if I have to remember something really quickly, I <clears throat> would still use my, my uh, two-digit system. Um, so uh, yeah, so I really haven't had uh, an experience with, uh, with memorizing quickly with my three-digit system, uh, but I mostly use it just for 
long-term memorization and uh, yeah when, when i want to remember something uh in a more like chill state so um so i don't know but probably of course it would, would have helped since it was a lot of number training uh but not so much speed training more um yeah like i, I took it quite slow when i added a new digits okay nice so um will we ever see a return uh will you uh start competing again in either uh national uh classical formats or um uh, we have like a memory league will will we ever uh see you return uh competing one one of these days yeah i don't know i um i'm quite often um like uh, tempted to to return because it's of course a lot of fun and i really like all of the the people competing and uh, it's great to take part in in memory competitions but i also feel that i uh, i would have to really put in a lot of work if i want to uh, yeah to to return to my old level and i think also that my old level is not that great today or <laughs> yeah it's it's probably not bad but it's uh, also some of the results that people are doing these days is really uh, extreme so um so i like it would be great like if i if i just had all the time in the world i would happily do it but um as long as i have other projects that i also need to spend a lot of time on uh, i think it's it's not likely but maybe in the in the future when i uh, when i sort of have finished this big uh, general knowledge project and uh, and other things and have some time over then maybe i i will not be able to resist uh, returning at least to to some swedish championship or something like that okay okay very good so what phonetic system do you use and um i know you mentioned you use the two digit uh pao system for numbers but um what what systems do you use for um like uh cards and your phonetic system i use uh, the um uh, yeah the, the major system uh, i think it's yeah the the one that like like the most spread version uh, where one is t or d and two is n uh, etc uh, probably a lot of people are familiar with uh, so that's what I, I've been using for my PAO and also for uh, this three-digit system. Um, I tried like using Ben's version with vowels and things like this, um, but then yeah, I don't know if I was just lazy or like didn't uh, put a lot of uh, enough time into it. But I, in some some ways, since I already was familiar with this, uh, yeah, the major system code, it was it felt easier to just use it also for three-digit. Uh, numbers even though of course uh, many of them will not give you like real words so you have to uh, yeah, be quite creative when you when you do it but um, yeah it, it worked quite well so i'm using this and um, i uh, yeah as i said I, I used pao for numbers and uh, also spoken numbers and also for um, for cards uh, it was the same like pao with just uh, one person per card um and uh, for historic dates i used uh, also like a a special system since i didn't have a three digit system i had to do something with with two digits but then i uh, used something that is actually a bit similar to um uh, to this historic timeline uh, thing that i uh, probably this is also used by a lot of people but they had one uh, location for each uh, century 
so like this yeah like the, the swimming uh, pool uh, would be one location and the airport would be like one location things like this and uh, then i um, just added the last two digits together with an image for the date uh, in these locations and there it could also be like that they happen to appear on 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 the exactly the same location but it also didn't matter because when i thought about a particular um event then i would see that together with the correct uh, last two digits uh, in that particular spot so maybe that was also like something that uh, that, that gave me the idea for the, the historic timeline later okay very very good um so I'm I'm kind of curious. I I know I know that uh, Simon Reinhardt uh, does this as well, but I noticed that you use hand gestures <laughs> when memorizing and during recall. Uh, do you think there are any benefits of using physical movement during the process of of memorization, or uh, did do you intentionally do this, or um, is it, is it just something that like what is the uh, the uh, motive or the logic behind this, um, the hand gestures. Yeah, I think mostly I I just I like doing it. Uh, like somehow it it feels good when you go through the palace. That you also like it makes me feel a little bit more uh, as if I'm really in inside there and that I'm sort of yeah going through everything. Uh, but I think also that like when I, I in the beginning I just did it. Um, yeah, just because I, I like doing it. And I, I don't think that it really helps a lot. But uh, yeah, it was just a nice thing to do. But then, um, then, of course, people start to see this. And also, like when you're on TV or something like this, it's, uh, you notice that people like when you're doing this, like it becomes more interesting for them. And it's also like, it's a bit of giving them sort of a, a teaser for what's going on inside your brain. Uh, so after some time, I also started to do this more because I, I realized that yeah, it's, it's more exciting for the people watching uh, if you do this. So uh, it's, it's a little bit of both. Like now I, I do it because I, I think it's, uh, yeah, it, it also looks, looks good, uh, but it still, it, it still feels good to do it as well. Okay. Uh, thanks. Um, so typically images fade away after a couple of days, but I remember watching uh, a lecture that you you gave at a school. Um, but after you gave the imagery for the top largest countries by surface area, it seemed to remain imprinted on my brain for like more than a couple. Like uh, it was very powerful. So, so what advice would you give for creating? more memorable images and in your opinion what are some of the the common mistakes when it comes to creating imagery yeah i'm very happy to hear that uh, that it worked well for you with these images i think like this was also a specific like a special kind of situation uh, of course because when you see someone like having a lecture and giving a specific example and talking a lot about it it's uh, yeah, it's it's logical that it should stay maybe longer than than if you just learn something uh, yeah like that you do every day like memorizing a deck of cards or something like this um so, so i'm not sure that I, it was only my my great images that did it but yeah maybe maybe i think they're of course also quite well thought through um but in general i think like personally i really like thinking about the like the logic uh, of a particular image, like thinking about why that particular image is on that particular uh, space uh, doing what it does. Um, and I think this is something that 
maybe a lot of people in the beginning uh, are missing uh, because you just think that, okay, you should just place this image there and you should just see this image and then you should see the next image and, and, and the next image. And, um, and this, of course, works quite well. Uh, but I think for it to really stick and to stick better and, and more quickly, you also um, you also have to like use your normal memory as well, or like your your logical memory, and also like think about why is this thing there, and also when you place the next image, try to associate it somehow to uh, yeah to the whole story. Uh, and I think this is what made me particularly good at um, uh, spoken numbers. Because then, of course, you, you don't, uh, you, yeah, you, you can you can only focus on, on the particular uh, story that's being read at the moment, and then you have to go to the next one. Uh, and I, in the beginning, I, I was not so good at it, but then I started to really try to uh, think about this, like this logic, and also uh, to associate back, like to make it all one big story. Because when you just have 100 uh, persons, then they will repeat sometimes uh, quite a lot and also the the actions and the objects uh, and this can seem like um, like a bad thing but it can also be uh, good in some ways because like if a person comes back uh, a few images later doing something else then uh, if you still remember what, what that person did last time you can sort of add that into a like a bigger picture so that this person is has like a, a larger story going on um, and is now continuing it here and then something else will happen later so I think this like big connection uh, was something that um, yeah that made me uh, a lot better at, at this discipline and also something that I think uh, a lot of people could could use more. Mm. So you you put an emphasis on on linking the images and then creating a logic for the reason why they're at a particular locus. Yeah, yeah, and also like with the person action object. Uh, you of course automatically get quite interesting images because something will do something random with something random uh, but that you also always then if you're using this uh, think about why this person is doing this with that particular thing so it's not just that oh it's so funny they are doing that but there's some also some like logic behind it or some some reason that they are uh, yeah doing this and it could be uh, anything of course but I think if you just add some small meaning behind it like that uh, it really lifts the the image hmm that's good stuff so um I'm, I'm curious when preparing for memory competitions uh when you competed um what did your memory training schedule look like how how much time did you spend each day and and how did you distribute the the disciplines throughout the week what did that look like exactly yeah well i um i practiced quite a lot at least when i was uh, really in it and really like preparing for the world memory championships for example i used to practice maybe four or five hours uh, every day at least for the the month before uh, which was yeah quite a lot when you also had to do school work and other stuff but um but it was possible and uh, and i really enjoyed it um so for me personally, I like my main training was just doing the actual disciplines uh, and especially done for the World Memory Championships to really do these uh, long events uh, as many times as possible because it's um, it's really something special. Like usually you, you 
yeah, you don't like to practice for such a long time. So you just do the, the short disciplines. Uh, and, um, but then you don't know exactly how your brain will react to the, the long ones. And um, I found that it was really like you really had to do it a lot of times and try different strategies to find what would work best. Uh, for example, like for one hour cards, it's, uh, it's very difficult to know which repetition uh, tactic that will work best uh, because there are so many uh, different versions that you that you could use and uh, it's it's really you really have to do it to uh, to be able to evaluate uh, how, how good it works so um, so just doing this a lot of times and try to really yeah find the best uh, strategies and um, uh, yeah that was that was my my main thing and then I also did some some like really uh, short, uh, really fast um, uh, practice sessions just to try to improve my speed in, in different uh, disciplines. But uh, but mainly the idea was to really like practice all the disciplines. And if I had some discipline that I was a bit worse at, I would usually practice that a bit more uh, to be able to be uh, like as all around as possible. Uh, because I think, of course, if if you have some discipline that you're worse at then that's where you you maybe you're most likely uh, to improve and and to be able to get some some more points uh, in the overall score hmm. yeah so uh this is this is a a similar question but slightly different in your opinion what does quality training look like um so so how can we improve the affected effectiveness of our, our training? Are, are there certain things that go through your mind as you're training? Like, I want to focus on this, or what are some of the, the thoughts? What is the, the process of thinking as you're, you're training to make it a, a good training session? Yeah, I think one thing is to, like, if you want to practice particularly for memory competitions, uh, that you really make sure to make the, uh, the training as similar to a real memory competition as possible. And this was uh, now it's easier with when it's digital, but before it was really um, it could be it was quite different if you were used to just memorizing on your screen and then uh, or like on memo camp or something like this. We had some help and then you would come to the memory competition, you would get papers. And for example, for binary digits, you'd have these plastic sheets and uh, like also that that was a, um, like a part of it that you had to be very quick, uh, turning the page and putting this plastic sheet on and uh, also that it was correct and to switch the papers with a plastic sheet like that, that also <laughs> was like a technical aspect of, of the competition. So uh, so I always, uh, at least before the, the championships, I always printed everything. So I had like really huge piles of papers with all the disciplines and I made sure to uh, yeah, really simulate the, the real competition environment as, as close as possible. Uh, so that's, uh, yeah, I think, a general thing that you should, of course, uh, practice for, for the particular thing that you want to, uh, to improve at. And um, then also, I think everyone will tell you that it's, uh, it's always good to try to uh, stretch it and like push yourself so that you're, uh, you shouldn't, like it's, it's not great if you do a practice session and you, you get all of the images correct, uh, because then it's... Uh, yeah, you practice something that you could already do and uh, you can continue to do that, but you, you won't improve probably. Uh, but it's it's really good if you have a few errors so that you know that, okay, you were a bit faster than uh, 
then then you can be at the moment. But if you continue at that speed, you would your brain will adapt and you will improve. So I think that's the uh, um, yeah the main like principle behind training and memory training as well. And uh, I think that everyone in the in the top will uh, are practicing in this way and will tell you that this is is a good thing. But in the beginning, this was not uh, clear for me. So. Uh, when I heard about this idea, I, it really uh, made a huge difference quite quickly. Mm, so, so trying to imitate as much as possible uh, the memory competition itself, and then then pushing yourself um, in terms of of what you think you can do. Okay, yeah, yeah. it's very good. So, um, I know you're I know you're very uh, good at spoken numbers. I know you mentioned about uh, the importance of 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 linking, um, but is there anything else uh, that you would like to share in terms of advice for those who want to improve their spoken number uh, scores? Is there anything that you do in particular in training to to help you become better at this discipline? Yeah, I I used to um, uh, like. Uh, yeah make the the speed faster uh on the on the numbers i think this is probably also done by a lot of people but it's uh, i think that that's that's great uh because for spoken numbers that's also uh something that ties back to to the last question that uh you want to always go a bit faster than, than possible but after some time with spoken numbers you're really adjusted to this one second interval and um yeah, and then it's just doing it for longer and longer, but then you, yeah, you don't get better at the like at the speed aspect of it. So, um, so just improving, like yeah, making the speed uh, faster, uh, I think is a, is a great way. So going at like zero point eight or zero point six, or I think I also tried zero point five, but that's uh, yeah, then it's difficult to hear what, what like the images uh, or the the numbers spoken, but it's uh, it's good for also for short sessions just to. Have this like extreme speeds and then when you go back to one second it feels like really slow and uh, of course then you can do the uh, make the images faster uh, but this is also like just before the competition you should again go back to one second uh, intervals because so, so that you're again then practicing as closely as the to, to the real thing as possible because i uh, i noticed that sometime when i and practice a lot with 0.8 or 0.7 and then went to a competition uh, it felt so slow that i started to think about other things in between like my mind wandered <laughs> off uh, and of course that's also not not good so uh, yeah you should make sure that you're tuned into this one second interval before the competition mm. Mm, that's good stuff thanks for sharing so is there anything else that you would like to share with our audience that hasn't been mentioned um Anything uh, in regards to to memory, the art of memory, or, or just anything in, in general? Yeah, that we've been talking about the the most important things. I uh, yeah, like my big thing now is that I continue to add all this new information, which is very interesting because it really feels uh, like something that I think quite a few people uh, have really been doing, like really pushing it to. Uh, to the max in terms of of the like general knowledge uh, addition because I I also I think that most memory athletes like also like me uh, before uh, are maybe mostly interested in 
using this for competition or it, it maybe this is not the the idea from the begin, beginning but when you realize how, how fun it is to compete and how quickly you can improve on in these disciplines it's easy that your focus goes completely into this and then when people are asking you about uh, if you have some use of this memory techniques then you usually like you say the, the regular things that yeah I use it for uh, shopping lists and remembering people's names and um and maybe some people are really doing this but it's uh i think that's like quite a a limited thing like it, it really it doesn't really motivate uh for the whole world to learn this just because you can remember maybe some people's names faster or shopping lists like you, you really don't have to remember shopping lists anymore uh but i think for using this for really learning uh, like information and uh, knowledge in, in general and, and like studying things and uh, that's really where where memory techniques make a, a huge difference and i think uh, yeah that's where one should put the the focus if you want to uh, like uh, talk about the memory techniques and, and how good they are that uh, it's really uh, for learning things that that's that's where they really can make a, a huge difference mm, that's good so so what are some of your your projects now that you're working on in terms of general information like uh, capitals and countries or is there any particular thing you're working on at the moment um yeah i have um like at the moment i'm my idea for a long time uh, has been to take part in the um, uh, swedish version of who wants to be a millionaire uh, because of course that can be uh, quite profitable <laughs> if you're doing well uh so i'm i'm preparing for that i uh, i hope that i can maybe take part in like in the, at the end of the year uh so right now i'm just i'm going through like all of the uh swedish quiz games like published in sweden like all of the questions and answers and uh also books about yeah art uh, as you mentioned and um like sports and like lots of things that i maybe didn't know so much about before um just to like max out this uh, knowledge project and then hope that i will be as prepared as i could ever be going there and uh, so that's like one of my big uh, motivations at the moment and um, i'm also working on a project with uh, with a team with an, a ukrainian team uh, obviously it was it, it was a bit delayed but now they are yeah the people in the project at least they they are um, safe for the moment uh, thank god and uh, so they are working with me on this. Um, it's like an app uh, with, um, yeah, for learning memory techniques, but also with a focus on the thing that you mentioned before with uh, virtual memory palaces. Uh, so it's uh, it's like we're building virtual memory palaces, uh, different kinds of very cool uh, computer uh, game inspired palaces that people can uh, use specifically for for memorizing things. If you if you're too lazy or uh, if you just um, find it difficult to to make your your own uh, palaces or use real ones i think this is especially for beginners it can be quite tricky and also feel uh, feel difficult to come up with more palaces than like your own house and maybe a local food store and then, then you sort of run out or it feels like a big thing to to make a new palace uh, so that's uh, yeah that's something that i'm working quite a lot of, uh, on at the moment which is also very exciting so is there like uh, an expected uh, time when it's on its release date? When, when can we expect this? Or what yeah. are some of your goals for, for this app? I think I hopefully you can expect it quite soon because it's, um, 
as I said, it it, it has been a bit delayed, but it's uh, a thing that we're quite close now uh, on releasing. So it should be released like uh, at least within a month from now. Oh wow! Um, yeah, so you can you can uh, look out for it. It's it's called Memory OS, like memory operating system. Oh, nice, nice. Looking forward to that. So, so where can we find you on social media? Do you have a website, uh, Instagram, or uh, where where can we we find you? Yeah, I have uh, an Instagram uh, that's just Jonas Vanessen, and also uh, a webpage jonasvanessen.se or .com. Uh, but unfortunately, it's it's still only in Swedish, so it's uh, yeah, it will probably be um, <laughs> an, an interesting experience if you try to. Uh, to go through all the material uh, without knowing Swedish, but it's uh, I think some of the videos are probably like you can probably understand what what they're about and the ideas, and I think uh, especially the ones about geography uh, probably could be interesting also for people not knowing Swedish because I um, yeah I, I think that I'm using quite a, a nice uh, approach there for learning the the counters for example by associating the, them to, to images representing their shapes and things like this and uh, that's quite self-explanatory if you if you watch the videos so uh, maybe it, it can be interesting uh, but i'll try to maybe put some english content up as well in the future all right so i'll definitely uh put a link to those in the show notes um thanks again it has been a pleasure um i always uh enjoy the work that you do and you're an inspiration so uh uh, definitely keep up the, the good work. Yeah, thank you so much. And thank you for making this very nice podcast. Yeah, anytime. All right, well, I hope you have a good rest of your day and, and good luck with all of your future endeavors. Thank you. You too. All right, talk to you later.